Good afternoon. This is Rich Nass of Embedded Computing Design here for this week's Embedded Insiders with Brandon Lewis. Hello, Brandon. How are you? Doing well. How about you, Rich? I am doing just fine, just fine. Uh, anything new in your world? Uh, well, I don't know if you know this, but I am a rabid Phoenix Suns fan, and we've been pretty pretty abysmal, to say the least, over the last seven years. We haven't made the playoffs in seven years. And right now there's a whole lot of talk in the NBA, if you're a basketball fan, about Kyrie Irving wanting to be traded from the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Suns are one of the possible destinations because we have a bunch of young players and draft picks. So I'm excited to see whether or not uh, he'll be making his way to the Valley of the Sun, although it's moving really slow. So I'm checking the uh, interweb every 30, 45 minutes to see if there are any updates. Okay. First of all, it ain't happening, okay, because he's not leaving Cleveland. <laughs> Second of all, if you're checking the web every 30 to 45 minutes, I need to give you more work to do because you're not busy <laughs> enough. It's an automated update. Okay. All right. Okay. So uh, some pretty exciting news. Um, we are going big time, and we have a sponsor. How do you like oh, that? Oh, yeah. Who's that? The Trusted Computing Group has decided that um, what we're talking about is interesting enough and drawing enough of a crowd that they want to be our sponsor. So before we go any further, let me read off the, the little sponsorship thing here. Drum roll. The trust, the, the, <laughs> well, uh, I am not old enough to know this or to remember this, but when you used to look at the radio back in the days before TV, they would always have these sponsors, and you know, it would be like Clorox soap or whatever it was. But anyway. What's a radio? <laughs> it's what you listen to your son's game on. <laughs> the Trusted Computing Group provides proven standards for built-in security. Learn how to secure the insecure Internet of Things and embedded systems at www.trustedcomputinggroup.org. How's that? Sounds pretty good. I like the guys over at Trusted Computing Group. Yeah, they do some pretty cool stuff. But it sort of leads into what I think should be this week's topic, um, the whole categorization of data and what comes in and, and what goes out. Um, what do you know about that, if anything? Um, as it pertains to what? Are we talking about um, categorization of data in the IoT or categorization of data um, as people would use it across various industries? You mean this life outside the IoT? Well, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, actually, I was thinking more in, the, in, in terms of device profiling and you know, seeing, you know, understanding who's coming in and why they're coming in and when bad guys come in and why they're coming in and how you can keep them from coming in and, and that kind of stuff. You know, this is actually kind of a, a new uh, topic to me, so I don't know a whole lot about it. Um, maybe somebody um, else does. Should we bring in a special guest? I, I think we should. Very good. Well, I have found a special guest. Uh, who knows a little bit more than either of, of you about this, although that's not saying too much, and that would be Jeff Finn, who is the CEO of Zavello. Hello, Jeff. How are you? Uh, hello, Rich and Brandon. Good. Uh, how are both of you guys today? Uh, I won't speak for Brandon, but I'm doing pretty good. He's, he's still uh, worrying about who his basketball team is going to acquire next. Hold on. I've got an update yeah. about Kyrie Irving. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jeff. First question you've got to answer. The name of your company is Zavello, Z-V-E-L-O. What does that mean? Where did you get that um, name? Yeah, so Zavello is a company that uh, we, we've been in business over 20 years, and we did a name change about seven years ago this month, as a matter of fact. 
Uh, we were trying to find something that hadn't been already used. Uh, most of the acronyms have been used. Most of the names have been used. And so when you sit down and really kind of, it's like coming up with a name for a rock band. So when you start eliminating all the other choices and everything that's already taken, you, you end up logically arriving at the conclusion that the only remaining name in the universe was Zavilo. So that, that's how we arrived at it. <laughs> But doesn't it bother you that you're always last in the list? I mean, doesn't everybody want to name that company Aardvark or AAA or something like that so they're at the top of the list? Possibly, but uh, no, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a name that stands out, so it, it's worked for us. All right. Well, that works for me. So did you hear the dilemma that we've been, uh, we've been, we've been discussing before you came on? Yeah, I, I heard heard you guys talking about it. Uh, have obviously this is something near and dear to our heart, and, and looking forward to discussing. So, why would somebody want to do this? What, what we're talking about, about this classifying of data? Yeah. So, if, if you you know, in, in the context of, of IoT devices or any devices for that matter, trying to connect the networks, what, what's increasingly happening, whether you're a small business, a smart home, industrial, um, whatnot. All, you know, you have people throughout the day walking in and out of your office, walking in and out of your factory floor, um, carrying who knows what types of devices, you know, uh, Fitbits and health monitors, you know, phones, PCs, laptops, tablets, in addition to everything that you uh, are aware of that's in, in your uh, enterprise or in your factory floor, all of which are trying to connect to your network. So the, the sysadmins anymore their job has gone from uh, near impossible to completely impossible trying to keep track of what's trying to connect their network, whether those things that are connecting the network are doing what they are supposed to be doing, what they're designed to do, or whether any of those devices have gone rogue in some fashion. Uh, you know, they've been taken over by a hacker, been compromised or vulnerable to being hacked, um, and just sitting there waiting to, uh, to be deployed at some hacker's discretion for who knows what ends, uh, you know, ransomware, exploit, uh, you know, being harnessed for some sort of a botnet or DDoS attack. Uh, and, and so we've seen this with, with the explosion of IoT device in particular. Uh, we've seen an increased interest and demand from the market in trying to figure out just help me understand what my devices, you know, what devices I have, what they are doing, what they should be doing. And, and that's really where, at least in our case, where we're stepping in to try and address some of those, some of those requests. Uh, real quick, Jeff, um, at the risk of getting too into the weeds, how would you be able to determine um, whether or not a device on a network was either commandeered or, or already or had the potential of being commandeered to do something like a DDoS attack? I mean, is it based on the data that's coming off of it or just activity or are there various factors? Yeah, so great, great question, Brandon. So what what uh, in our particular case, what we do is we are uh, we have a little bit of code that gets embedded into uh, a device a network like a router, or a, a, a firewall gateway, or something, so we can we can uh, see the inbound and outbound traffic. Uh, first thing we we do is we discover the devices. We then, based on the um, that activity of the device, we can profile the device. For example, we can say whether something's a Nest thermostat whether it's a light bulb, whether it's a Samsung refrigerator, whether it's a, uh, you know, some sort of factory monitor um, device, we can then start looking at that device and saying, I'll, I'll use the Nest thermostat since, since I think most of the listeners are probably aware of what that is and what they believe it should be doing. We can look at that and say, is that particular Nest thermostat now behaving in a way that is common with other Nest thermostats? Is it 
based on the time on the network, for example? Uh, is it making you know, an appropriate or a, a within range, uh, within normal range number of calls out to the Internet? Are the calls it's making in the Internet, what's the packet size look like? What are the destinations that it's trying to connect to? Are they going to sites that are associated with Nest? Or if all of a sudden we start seeing uh, a Nest thermostat that starts behaving erratically or suspiciously, let's say it's, uh, it's making much, many more uh, calls to the Internet for much longer durations than a standard Nest thermostat is making. Let's say we start seeing it can make connection requests <coughs> excuse me, to, uh, uh, to sites that we've identified as being uh, command and control, botnet, malware distribution sites. Those are obviously telltale signs that that device is, is um, you, know, pro, you know, not just suspicious at this point in time, but more than likely compromised. And so with that amount of information, we can then provide the sysadmin alert saying, hey, here's a device, here's the name of the device, um, you know, take whatever action you think is appropriate. Uh, take it offline, reboot it, whatever, whatever the uh, remedial course of action might be. So looking at the uh, behavior of a typical device, you mentioned in that thermostat, but uh, what if it was widget A? Uh, you know, are you classifying the typical, quote-unquote, uh, behavior of widget A in terms of what other widgets do? So say widget A is a network router, um, so we can typically expect this type of behavior from a network router, and it's acting anomalously beyond that type of uh, standard behavior. Is that how you do it, or do you have to differentiate? Because if there's a uh, Nest thermostat versus an Amazon Echo, they may be very diverse and work in very different ways. Yeah, so another good question. Um, we try and get as specific to that device as possible. So in a lot of cases, these devices are broadcasting their identity. They're saying, I am a... You know, I'm a router, I'm from Brand X, I'm, I'm, you know, Model Y, I'm running firmware OS version Z. So uh, in, in a lot of cases, they will tell you what they are, what they want you to believe that they are. We can then start comparing that with how that device should, behave, should be behaving compared to how we, uh, our collective history of, of similar devices for that um, make, model, uh, OS version. Great. And then a uh, real last question before I let Rich jump in. Um, so the source code that, you're, that you talked about, is that an agent that you deploy um, on the device that communicates back to some back-end system? Um, and if so, um, how big is it? Is it? Are we talking about kilobytes, megabytes, gigabytes here? Yeah, it's just a small little tiny footprint kilobyte size uh, 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 sensor code that gets installed again on a router, uh, firewall, gateway, UTM device. Um, it can set, you know, just somewhere in your network where, where it has access to, to be able to monitor the ingress and egress traffic. Because of the amount of processing and storage that's involved, it's, it's cost prohibitive to try and do a lot of the processing, a lot of the monitoring, and, and a lot of the storage locally. Mm -hmm. So we take the data up to the cloud, which is where we do a lot of the heavy lifting uh, analysis. Great. So is the alternative to deploying this technology to just leave your device exposed or is is there some uh, am I missing something no I, I if you look at most devices being shipped today uh, in, in standards bodies and and more recently the you know the, the US Senate is trying to, to play catch-up to introduce some standards and some uh, you know some regulations around how these devices should be operating today it's 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 pretty much the wild wild west uh, devices are being shipped 
consumers, small business, enterprise are installing these devices. In most cases, these devices are being installed with virtually no security uh, enabled. Um, at, at best, people might be changing a password. Well, uh, it, you know, that, that's sort of best case. But in most cases, what we're seeing, devices are being installed with no security enabled. They are full-time connected to the Internet, and they are essentially a small computer. So if you, if you think in, in terms of a hacker's you know, perfect storm, uh, I think we've just described it. Here, here's a device that is easy to perform uh, reconnaissance on. Uh, they are devices that are very simple to exploit and commandeer, um, and they're connected full-time to the Internet. So, you know, hackers are, are very easily able to um, uh, put together massive networks of these devices. And for all intents and purposes, the owner of the device, hey, the thermostat's still, you know, regulating the temperature in my house, the door lock's still working, the light bulb's still turn on, you know, my, my camera's still working. They are they are unaware, if not clueless, to the the fact that their devices have been compromised. All right, Jeff. A uh, couple thoughts, and then a, a final question here. Uh, you mentioned uh, the U.S. Senate legislation that's trying to wrap security around "quote unquote" IoT. Um, and from the one hand, it's really difficult to implement standards that address security for all of the IoT, just because there's so many different technologies involved. Um, on the right. one hand, so many different industries, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but probably more um, pertinent, especially given some of the examples we've been using around DDoS, is that one country's legislation doesn't really mean anything in the context of DDoS because, um, okay, so all of the devices that are manufactured and shipped across the United States uh, may have these security provisions uh, wrapped around them. However, that leaves the rest of the world and all the Internet-connected devices in the rest of the world could just be targeted at somebody, somebody's server or something. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Senate legislation and whether it's useful or not? Well, first of all, I, I absolutely agree 100% with, with your sentiment and thinking on this. Um, I, I applaud the Senate's efforts to try and address this. Uh, at the same time, I think I said recently uh, in an article or another podcast where I don't have great hopes for the outcome here for, for all the reasons that you just articulated. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, I think that's it for me. What do you think, Rich? Uh, I think I'm staying away from the politics discussion. <laughs> I'm running as fast as I can. But, yeah, I, but, yeah. but I think we've used up our time here. Um, if people want to get more information, they can reach out to Jeff or they can reach out to one of us. Um, thank you, Jeff. Uh, that was really informative. This is, a, this is a topic that I was not in the loop on at all, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Guys, appreciate it today, and, and keep up the good work. Thank you very Thanks, much. Jeff. Who's that our sponsor, Jeff, Rich? Sponsor. Our sponsor is the Trusted Computing Group, the, or otherwise known as the TCG, who provides proven standards for built-in security. Learn how to secure the insecure Internet of Things and embedded systems at www.trustedcomputinggroup.org. Hey, Brandon, thanks very much, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Jeff.